Welcome to the Stranger Still podcast. I'm Miles. I'm Kathleen. And we are re-watching every episode of Stranger Things ahead of season four coming out in May, May 27th and July, two-part release. Follow us on Twitter at StrangerStill22. Review, subscribe, like our podcast on Apple, Spotify, Anchor, wherever you get your podcasts. All the things. It has been three years since any new Stranger Things, so let's catch up together. All right, and here like a, we go. Oh, oh, oh you forgot oh. about my, my brilliant segue into every single one. <laughs> my bad, my bad. This is a good one. You're going to love it. Okay. And like a slut with a heart of gold, <laughs> let's care about other people in this episode. Chapter 7, The Bathtub. I don't think that was a very nice thing to say. Carol said it about Nancy. Yeah, so and that was very not nice. No, it was meant... I don't think that she was being nice. No, it definitely wasn't meant in a nice way. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Probably the best start to an episode. Possibly my favorite episode so far, I Ooh, think, honestly. Okay. Oh, gosh, it was just so good. This, this entire episode just pumped you up so much because obviously you know that the final episode is coming and you're going to get some sort of hopefully some sort of resolution. Mm -hmm. I mean, we know that we do get quite a bit of resolution, obviously, because this is a rewatch, and hopefully it is for you as well. Um, gosh, what an opening. We start off with uh, Lucas calling on the radio. They know about Eleven. Get out of there. <laughs> the What does he say? The bad men are coming. The and bad Dustin's men are coming. The what? bad hen? The mad hen? What is that, a code <laughs> word? Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely what he said. Come on, man. <laughs> hey, leave Dustin alone. Oh, my gosh. What, so intense, this whole start. Why don't you review it for us? Yeah, so they... So they go upstairs, they look out the window, they see a Hawkins repair van, and Dustin's like, we gotta, we gotta get out of here. Mike wants, runs into the kitchen and tells his mom, Mom, are you having any repairs or whatever? And he's in absolute panic. And I love this moment when, he, when Mike is talking to Karen, who's on the phone, uh -huh. and Karen's like, I'm on the phone. And Dustin interrupts them both. He goes, Mike, we have to leave now. right now <laughs> mom if anyone asks you no that's my favorite part as he's running on yeah. as he's running away if anyone asks where i've gone i've left the country <laughs> that's such a kid thing to say really like yeah absolutely that's what she, she's gonna tell whoever comes to the door that her 11 year 12 year old son has left the country okay and i'll tell you this this was straight out of my childhood <laughs> the dustin part when he goes we have to leave right, right now. now shout out to my neighbor pete ledoux we played games like this all the time my like it's sort of what? realistic that mike's Housing mom government officials right behind us run <laughs> and then we just go sprinting through the house it's like kind of realistic that mike's mom karen wouldn't fully like be too alarmed by this behavior from these dramatic kids but if anything she's just <laughs> ticked off that they interrupted her phone call and that they're yeah. just running all cattywampus all over the place but this is real this is real and they are really being chased and they they get on the get on the road and they get on their bikes which also feels very childlike you know whenever you're on your bikes with your friends you're running away from somebody right you're pretending <laughs> of you're like, course go, 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 except go. for they really are this running away from somebody this real. time. <laughs> They've got 11. 11's on the back with Mike, and they're riding the bikes, and the vans are chasing them. And what oh. was what was going through your head of what you thought was going to happen? Oh, 
well, I knew, obviously I knew that she was going to use her powers in some way, but yeah. dang, how Did satisfying was that moment to see Eleven lift the van with her mind? The, the shot that they had of that, mm-hmm. that was just really cool. You see it go over their heads. They're looking up at it as it passes over them, crashes on the street behind them, blocks the other vans wow. from coming. Oh, that was epic. An iconic moment. That was the the eyebrow raising moment from the trailer when it first got me to watch Stranger Things. That van oh, yeah. flipping up That's over that. From, that was from the trailer. Huh? Yeah, it's oh in my the trailer. Gosh. So many things I've forgotten. But I will say what I thought was going to happen, even though I had seen that in the trailer, I thought that she was going to make them fly. Oh, she was going to make the bikes like an ET. fly. Like exactly. Like we've been oh. we've been going ET this whole time. Every podcast and story I've written and and look back at the comments of 2016, everyone thought that she was going to make the bikes fly oh, like ET. Gosh. Here comes the ET moment, but instead she does that. So there's like it's the moment is not only awesome for its visual, but it's also awesome because it just subverts what you what thought. You expect, You're like, oh, yeah. here comes another tribute to the 80s. They're gonna right. fly across the moon, you know, yeah. or the or whatever. You I know, know it's daytime. I'm I'm glad that she didn't make them fly. Not only because obviously ET did it already, mm-hmm. Simpsons did it, um, <laughs> <laughs> but also because. I mean, in the last episode when she saves Mike, you see how much that drains her. Imagine if she were to make all of them fly Mm. for whoever knows how long. I mean, does she even have that much power? Yeah, that's that's a good point. Yeah. And the van crashes. It lands in front of all the other vans. And Brenner gets out. By the way, no one checks on those two guys in the van. They are dead. <laughs> they do not care yeah. about the casualties. That's one thing I'll say. Again, I call out the federal government accountant who is writing all these bereavement papers. Shouldn't they be wondering what the heck is going on? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so they they get away. I, my favorite part about the van scene in rewatch was you see it go over. It stops. Brenner's staring after him. And it cuts to the kids and they're ri- they're like riding their bikes down the road in silence. They're just like just because they're, they're just like, like look what astonished. Just and I just and all you hear is the the whirring of the bikes as they as oh. they go down the suburban neighborhood. I I loved that part. This opening is awesome. It, it is, is the best so opening of any awesome. any uh, episode. But you know, I will say that my the most satisfying part for me is when they get all the way to the junkyard and Lucas finally <laughs> comes around. Yep. He's been a total asshole. He's been a total jerk to Eleven this whole time, just has not liked her. Mm-hmm. And finally, he sees that she's actually awesome. Yep, and we That was awesome. I know. And Dustin is, is, is thrilled and they're just all pumped about it. I love that too because it's like something didn't just happen and all somber at the junkyard they're right. like holy crap she threw a van with her mind <laughs> you know and you know and then the other great thing about this is that the party is back together mm-hmm. they're all friends again yep. you know lucas apologizes to 11 11 apologizes to lucas mike apologizes to lucas it's just handshake yeah, yeah. that was a very nice moment what i wrote down about that was kathleen i assumed you enjoyed this moment oh i absolutely did hi <laughs> miles I to point out all the time that I like 
nice things, yeah. you know, fairy tale things, happy endings. That's what I like. So this is a very yeah. satisfying scene for me. You would just watch eight episodes of these people just getting along together and having fun in this neighborhood without any powers or. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, I think I would and I would thoroughly enjoy it. Yeah. Um, so let's pivot to the teens and the adults after the credits. Joyce. Hopper, Nancy, and Jonathan. Now it's time for them to connect some puzzle pieces here. Yes. They go into the, the uh, police station. Jonathan's in handcuffs. Joyce is pissed that he is in. <laughs> Why is he in wearing handcuffs? Like, <laughs> Oh, and uh, true to form, she's super worked up. She is at a 10 again. At I will just 10. say, <laughs> when I'm making my notes, I like to label um, each you know note who whose point of view it's at, whether it's the party, you know, all the boys, or Hopper and Joyce. But there's a lot of scenes where it's Joyce, Hopper, Jonathan, Nancy, the mm-hmm. party. It's all of them. Yeah. And so I'm like, that's part of, that's like half of my notes right there. Anyway. This is the episode where they start to come together. Yes. And they all they're talk. They're and they all coming all, together. They actually, this episode, the purpose of it is to catch all of the main characters up. And, and bring then them together. And, and they're caught up with the audience. Mm-hmm. So, now there's no more drama except for what we're all going to experience together. Yes. That's that's one of the reasons yes. season one is a is a masterpiece. Um, the the bully, the bully's mom, oh, it comes gosh. in the police station. They're complaining that you know this girl with no hair, she's a freak. She broke my arm, made me piss myself. Ooh, Ho- and Hopper, and of course, catches that. He goes, "What did you say?" He finally believes the what was the mom Eleven's mom's name? Terry then? Ives. He finally starts to think. There's something. Terry Ives yeah. must have been well, telling the truth. I think. I think he. I think he believed her from the beginning. You don't. No. Oh, I, I. I no. I think that he maybe believed. I think that he believed that they stole their daughter, but mm-hmm. I don't think that he believed that her daughter had superpowers. Oh, okay. Well, he he realizes this is Jane, and they're on their path now. Mm-hmm. They 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 are a group of four now. Jonathan Joyce. Uh, Mike or Jonathan Joyce Hopper and uh, <laughs> Nancy and Nancy um, and <laughs> they, they team up to find the boys. Yeah, and Jonathan has the great idea. Let's use the transistor radio that Will has. Remember, Will are the connecting piece of all of us. <laughs> oh yeah, the way they always have always communicated with each other. Why don't we try that? Yeah, I love it. The characters <laughs> yeah. are so smart. I really like that. Too. So the party is in the junkyard. Um, they get a they get a ra- uh, a message over the transistor radio. It's Nancy. Nancy is saying, "Mike, it's an emergency. We need you to answer." They have sequestered Don't into answer. the bus. And and one of your favorite things is the um, quote to Oh yeah, Star Wars. Yeah, like uh, uh, Lucas <laughs> is like, "It might be a trap," and Dustin's like, "Lando, Lando, <laughs> Calrissian. Don't answer." Yeah, <laughs> Lando, of course, the administrator of Cloud City, who welcomes Han Solo and Princess Leia as guests. Only to betray them by having also made a deal with Darth Vader and the Empire, and they take Han and Chewie and Leia as prisoners. Is this a is this a podcast about Star Wars? Well, I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just shedding light on what Dustin's worry is, and he's pacing around and he's talking about Lando. I love the would you shut up about Lando? <laughs> Much like you just asked me to shut up about Lando. <laughs> Yes. But Hopper saves the kids mm-hmm. from the bus. Oh, I know. They think they're sure that, oh, man, they threw them under the bus. Except for Hopper <laughs> rescues them. Yeah. This moment had a little little tinge of, of another 80s movie. A little tinge? Yeah, a little tinge. You know, because in, in episode two, we get that little tinge of Jaws. 
Remember mm-hmm. when Barb's yeah. blood drops into the water? This moment gave me a little tinge of Indiana Jones. He kind of punches the three guys and he comes in the bus and they stand up and he's got the hat on. I felt like, oh, a little dun 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 dun. I felt (laughs) a little bit. And you know, he is a really gruff like Indiana Jones. Hopper is. And it's funny because my favorite part about that is Hopper's like, all right, let's go. And they're all just standing there staring at him. Let's go. go! (laughs) God, I just, oh, that makes me laugh. The other thing that I really like about this is that. All of the government officials, the wow, whatever you would call them, um, all dressed in suits. Is that yeah. like just a part of the times, or I? It's just like it's so not practical when they're going to be searching yeah. around. Let's just all wear suits. I think that's still a little bit of the Cold War, you know, fifties, sixties, seventies. We're still, like I said in the first episode, this is not pure eighties. This is. The 50s, 30 years later. Yeah, you know, everything yeah is it's old. a real 50s vibe right there. That's yeah. what it is. But yeah. that's, and there I were like people that. who were stuck in the 50s living at that time. That's true. You know, um, so the party, the sons, the adults, the everybody is all together at Joyce's house. We have everyone in the same scene, all the kids, and they're making a plan and they're just sitting in the living room telling each other all of the answers. The kids are telling them what the upside down <laughs> is. You know, Hopper's like, oh, I know where the gate is. I've seen it. <laughs> Jonathan and Nancy are telling them about the Demogorgon. I just love it. The communication is yes. on point. It's what you always want in the movies that never happens. Yes. But they are actually doing it. They're telling each other what they have seen, yeah. what they have done. Everyone is caught up and they're like, well, all we need is a play- way to find Will. And then they have to focus on that. And it's a problem mm-hmm. solve that together. Um, and 11, they're at the table. There's a really cool shot where they're all at the table and there's like a lamp over yeah. 11 that has them all. I feel like that should be a poster probably is a poster but i'm sure it's really cool to have the kids the teens and the adults all working together this is one of the rare shows that has kids teens and adults kind of all done well at the same time it's pretty rare and it's a little bit for everybody too yeah i mean i feel like younger i mean it's a little scary i guess but you know you can be like 12 or 13 year old year olds watching this show and then be adults and absolutely love the show as we do. I know it is a little creepy. I know when the Duffer brothers were trying to get this show sold, you know, before it was Netflix, they're trying to sell it to ABC and NBC and presumably everywhere because there was such a kid centric thing. Most networks just couldn't see past. They're like, is it a kid's show? Mm. They're just like, it must be a kid's show because there were kids in it. But it is not. I mean, but like I said, I don't think it's strictly an adult show. But that's what that's well, also part of what makes it so great is that it's great for so many people. Yeah. So Eleven can't find Will, can't find Barb oh, while yeah. she's sitting at the table. She goes into the bathroom. She sees the that's bathtub. A moment. That's a moment. I can't find them. Oh, that oh. moment. Yeah. Her sweet little heart. She sees the bathtub. And she comes out and she says, hey, I, I think I can do it if you get me one of those big tubs yeah. that I, they used to put She says it's just like, a, you know, I think I can do it. Yeah, in, <laughs> in the bath. <laughs> yeah, I think I can do it. Um, so they need a sensory deprivation tank. And the, the way they figured out how to build a sensory deprivation tank is all, Dustin, MVP, calls the science teacher. And the science teacher like, can we talk about this later? What? You're always saying to open the curiosity doors. 
why are you cur- keeping this curiosity door locked? <laughs> I love that. Dustin just has the best lines. And honestly, I feel like they play off of how he is in real life, too. I mean, I've seen him interviewing things, and he is just kind of like really out there, really fun all the time, always talking. I mean, always thinking and using yeah. his mind. I just love it. Cool. And they, they go to the school. They cool. get it. <laughs> cool. I really care about Anyways. that. Anyways. No. <laughs> um, they go to the school. I love how they can't like fully set it up perfect. They're not like genius scientists all of a sudden. They're like fighting when they're trying to set the pool. They're hotter, hotter, colder, colder. You know, they're getting all the salt from the, from the oh, school. Yeah. Um, Joyce is like the one she's like she's attached to 11 she's like the 11 support person it's so tender her with 11 it's just so sweet especially when you compare it to how 11's life has been up until this point i mean obviously we haven't followed her her full whole 12 years of life mm-hmm. but you're sure that she hasn't received any true comfort and love from like a a parental figure and she's finally getting it here in this moment i really like that so l gets into the what you call the in between what do do we call the place the the black area with the water the thin level of water on the ground i don't know i i've started calling it the in between maybe there is maybe they use a name for it and we've just missed it but you know when mr clark is explaining to them with the flea Mm -hmm. he says the flea can you know walk on top of the rope he can walk on the side of the rope yeah so this is the side this is this is is, she's walking that line in between totally agree because she can't interact perfectly like even when she gets a hold of will like she's not physically there with will even in the upside down just like she wasn't physically there with the, the Russian guy she was spying on earlier. So, yeah, she's on the side of the rope. She's, she's the like the, yeah. the telephone. She's the yeah. FaceTime. She's FaceTiming. She's FaceTiming, she's FaceTiming yeah. Will from the upside yeah. down. <laughs> <laughs> she finds, finds, well, Barb is dead. Oh, yeah. She finds Barb. She finds Barb. She's in Nancy's a pa- the only one that cares. Yeah. <laughs> Nancy's, everyone else is like, why are you looking for Barb? Uh, <laughs> and they go to Will and they find him and he says, hurry. Yes. Mm. Hurry. And just this sad little voice, Miles yeah. just hates Will. <laughs> no, 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 no. Not not in this season. We'll, we'll, oh, talk, later. we'll later. talk about my, my, uh, my beef with uh, Will in season two. But no, 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 no. Will, Will is still the yeah, heart of the show. Will here. says hurry and then the FaceTime call drops yeah you know the scene dissolves around her and then she's alone in the in-between and it's so sad and and then you know she's comforted by joyce i like that and will is comforted by the demogorgon who bursts into castle byers and takes him that happens (laughs) at the end it isn't well aren't we at the end we're almost yeah i mean i mean yes she she sees him in the in-between and um, you know they all find out where he's at at Castle Byers in the Upside Down, and then they start to go their separate ways. Nancy and Jonathan, they're gonna go back to the police station. They're gonna steal back all of their weapons, mm-hmm. and they're gonna kill the Demogorgon. And then Hopper and Joyce, they head to the par- Department of Energy. Um, they're gonna break in there and get into the Upside Down. Hopper says, "Come on, trust me." Right before they're instantly found by the government, <laughs> and then the final scene you see little will singing to himself and then you hear the demogorgon and 
it explodes into the side of Castle Byers, and then we have the end credits. Yeah, that was a scary part there where uh, he yeah. where he does that. This is the shortest episode of the eight episodes, but it, it didn't yeah. it feel like a lot happened there. Yeah, a lot did happen. It definitely did not feel really short. In fact, I mean, we were talking about how much we have forgotten since we first watched this mm-hmm. and re-watching it, I was thinking, oh, this is the, the filler episode. They give us all the, you know, needed information for the final episode. But this was like an intense episode. Yeah. I mean, a lot happened and you were really engaged. It did not feel like the shortest episode. Yeah, it starts with the van and ends with the Demogorgon getting Will. So, I mean, yeah. it, a lot happens. You don't know what happens. It yep. is not a pure setup. All right, every show, every episode will end with a Kathleen Feeler moment and a Miles music moment. Then we usually have a question at the end here. Kathleen, chapter seven, what's your feeler moment oh, of the my episode? My feeler moment is just that relationship that's beginning between Joyce and Eleven. It's just so sweet and heartbreaking if you think about it because you know that Eleven's never had any true love or comfort from anybody. And here Joyce is really being like a mother to her, holding her, telling her that she doesn't have to find Will, which is completely different than Dr. Brenner, who basically punished her whenever she couldn't complete a task he wanted her to do. And then when she comes out of the in-between, Joyce holds her while she cries. It's just really tender and sweet and heartbreaking at the same time. Yeah. And, and I'm it's kind of interesting that Joyce does it because she's very single-minded for yeah. six episodes. Uh, yeah. she's, I got to get Will. I got to get so Will. I got to get Will. She's so desperate to get Will, but she also understands that this is another child that mm-hmm. needs love as well. And really, it is how she saves Will because in the moment when Eleven finds Barb and she's dead with a slug coming out of her mouth, Eleven is in a panic and wants to come out and, w- and, and is not going to be able her. to do it. And Joyce's compassion for her it says it's okay, calms, it's okay. calms 11 yeah. to focus and find the next person, which yeah. is Will. So it actually... So Joyce is the real hero of the story here. Yeah, of, of that one. <laughs> I mean, it's it's good that she wasn't just like, get it, find Will, find Will, find Will, find yeah. Will. You know, it's, it, it's a really cool, interesting thing. They definitely could have gone that way, and I'm glad that they didn't. Me too. And... You know, we see Barb's slimy, dead, lifeless corpse uh, <laughs> in the next episode as well. Uh, let's go oh, to the music okay. moment of the chapter. Yeah, and some I, really cool music in this episode. Really cool music. And I want to focus on the first scene. The first scene where they're in the downstairs basement, then they're upstairs looking out the window, then they're riding their bikes oh, so uh, cool. on the on the pavement as the vans chase them, and then the vans like start to catch up to them. We... The tension of this scene is so interesting, and the music is done with this like Baba O'Reilly type of sequencing that's done by these synthesizers. So what that means is just we have these synthesizer like persistently repeating phrases that are programmed in. You know, Baba O'Reilly is boop 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 boop. Don't cry, don't waste your eyes. You know how that song. And that's kind of what they do here. So they start it. With just a kind of underlying, you know, persistence. Then it grows and grows as they start to realize the vans are here for us. And it gets even even, uh, more persistent. You can feel your heart rate increasing. And then when it's the yes, the vans are actively chasing us, it ratchets, ratchets, ratchets. 
what is it? I guess ratchets. Yes. <laughs> it ratchets up even further into a song called Time for a 187 is what the song is called oh. on the soundtrack. And this is just this super synth moment where it is seriously going at like 400 to 500 notes a minute. So it's got it's got the you know a normal beat, just like 144 beats per minute. That's exact, by the way. I googled it, and that's <laughs> of about, course you. That's did. about the same as like tainted love. You know, tainted love, oh, 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 tainted love. But this song's going better. Get the butter, better get the butter, better, better, better get the butter, better. Let me get the butter, butter, better get the butter, better get. You know, it's like. Da, 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 da. Let me ask you this: Is that real ly- lyrics to a real song? No, that's well, that's the lyrics to this song. Better if it butter, had better get the butter, <laughs> no, better I, get the butter, better get the butter. <laughs> <laughs> That's but just, ten times faster. That was just the way of me saying like what the notes were doing. <laughs> okay. uh, but that the could notes be were better get telling the but- you you better get the butter. <laughs> better get the butter. Better let me get the butter. Butter. <laughs> yeah. But they're just so it's going so super fast and it's all awesome and it's just the tension is increased and it's so interesting and cool and that whole scene builds that way and uh, um, obviously the visual is one thing but the music is another. Ah, uh, yep. Yep. It makes you feel you makes you feel the show so much more intensely for mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. For sure. All right. So, we also like to end each show with a question. So, Miles, bikes, parents, are the wheelers bad parents? <laughs> <laughs> I think yes. They are, Ooh, but they're not as I don't bad. Totally they're not agree with you here, but okay. You know, okay. Tell me, tell me here, how you feel. Here's why I think tell they me are. How I really feel. Yeah, <laughs> they are clearly not paying attention at all. <laughs> so maybe that's not necessarily. I guess to define bad, for the purpose of this story, they could have helped a lot more had they been paying attention and listening to their kids <laughs> at all. Because Mike's personality is clearly changed. He has met Eleven and things have shifted in him as a person. And Nancy's personality has also clearly changed in these last seven episodes. And they are completely oblivious to it. They're still in the last couple weeks. But I think the show just does a fantastic job. But why do you you think they're good parents? I do not agree. Well, I think the dad is clearly oblivious to everything. I love how so he's definitely. I would not say he's a stellar parent here. His first question when he sees the picture of the girl that Mike is is hiding out supposedly. Our son with a girl. His first question is, "What happened to her hair?" (laughs) That's his first question. <laughs> of course, he is okay, so, completely but you oblivious. Think they're good, huh? No, I th- the mom is definitely good. She she absolutely notices a change in Nancy. Mm, she just okay, thinks yeah. that it's because she she knows Nancy lost her virginity, and that is huge, especially for somebody who is like Nancy, who was all always like a do gooder, really good in school, follow the rules to lose her virginity, like the conflict conflict that would happen within her i think it's incredibly realistic how her mom would react her mom is concerned for her and how she's doing after that experience so i'm not at all surprised that she's not expecting anything more out of this she's just you know she thinks it's all about the nancy losing her virginity as far as mike i mean you have to look back at that first scene in the first episode when they're all intense about their Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. I mean, he definitely has changed for sure, but he was already a pretty dramatic kid, had a very intense imagination. So, 
yes, she should have noticed more. Oh, definitely should have noticed more. I mean, there's a kid living in her house that she doesn't even know about. Yeah. But I mean, she's also used to Mike's vivid imagination. Yeah, I think it wasn't ridiculous. You know, it wasn't like there's a certain suspension of yeah. disbelief that we have to have for most of these like thriller supernatural stories, you know, that somebody's not noticing it. Yes. And you know what? Mike's mom is like the MVP. She is like, I'm not taking your guff. Tell yeah. me what's happened to my son. What the heck are you doing in my house? Like, I don't know. I just was really proud of her. Having, having an audience moment where we identify with her, like in that yeah. moment is so cool and so really well done because Karen is like the unfortunate character who doesn't get to be a part of the real plot. She's not yeah. with Hopper and Joyce and Jonathan and Nancy and the, she's <laughs> he's on her own because she's certainly not with Ted. No, God, Ted's just... Ted, is she Russian? doing you know? what he does. So Karen is like isolated and so yeah. alone and all this. And so the fact that they do, they just strike a great balance. It yeah. just, it's a great believable that this is a kids only adventure, but yeah. also believable that these adults aren't completely bumbling, you know? And I also think that about the first scene too, where it's believable that these kids could have escaped these, the Hawkins lab, you know, because yeah. 11 has the superpowers and because these kids are so smart. Yeah. Some shows often, you know, cross, cross that line that too. Line, where they're like, yeah. how stupid are all these uh, guys who are supposedly supposed to be able to, they can't catch a couple of kids. Yeah. But it's it's all believable. It's all really well done. Season one is a masterpiece. I mean, yeah. I'm, I've said it in a few other episodes and we'll continue to say it as we come back for, for episode eight. Yeah, it really truly is a masterpiece. One shout out I want to do is to Steve. We oh, yeah. finally, we, we see some of Steve's good side. He turns away from the dark side. Side. He does. Another Star Wars reference for you, babe. Thanks, babe. Um, <laughs> I just, I love that, that he, you know, he stands up for Nancy against his friend. He goes back to the movie theater and cleans up all of the spray paint that they did. I just, you know, I like that little moment there. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's when you know the season recognizes that Steve's got to be a good guy. Yeah. I, I think I said it. Did I say it in the last episode? It's hard to keep did. track. But yeah. yeah, he. I mean, they knew they had a likable actor playing playing this part. Yeah. He is so likable. All right. Well, we will be back for episode eight, chapter eight. We're going to do a supersized episode. We're going to go through chapter eight, the upside down. But then we're going to just review and, and have like six or seven just questions about season one as a whole. Best moment, funniest moment, scariest moment, best episode. We're going to do all that stuff and have a great time um, doing it. We don't know how long it's going to be. It'll be as long as it needs to be. As long as it needs to be. All right. Thank you. My name is Miles. I'm Kathleen. And good night. Good night.